You're listening to Fit Girl, your guide to getting in shape, the podcast dedicated to helping you separate fact from fiction in fitness. For more details about this podcast and other episodes, visit fitgirlpodcast.com. This is podcast episode number 284. In this episode, it's all about three. Call it a fitness triple whammy. We're going to discuss the only three exercises you need to lose weight, gain strength, and tighten your body. We're going to talk about three vital meal components you may be missing and three things you can do right now to see drastic changes in your body and mind. So first of all, just a quick update. Yes, it's been a very long time. Uh, I have a lot of things going on, but I have also not been able to quite get the right system for doing the podcasts exactly the way I like to. So it's taken me a while to work out some of the logistics of that. And I think I've got it down. I've actually got a couple of episodes already prepared. So I think I'm finally getting ahead of the game. I didn't want to just kind of be sporadic. I wanted to make sure that I could post regularly on the podcast again. And I think we're at that stage. I've also started expanding my YouTube channel, but you can find that at YouTube at Fitness Makeover. And what I've done there is added some of the classes that I've been teaching because I was kind of overloaded this last year with the amount of classes. Now, not all of them were recorded uh, perfectly to put up there, but there's a few of them there to get an idea or at least just to follow along. And I was just kind of testing a lot of stuff out, but some of the members like to be able to do the classes even when they're not having classes regularly. Trying to get that into a regular posting along with these podcasts. So you'll find uh, several playlists there, one of them being all the podcasts. And that is the basically the audio version, but sometimes people like to leave the TV on and there's different clips that go through it. But I'm also going to take some of these discussions or some of the topics that we're talking about in this episode. And I have some videos that are made to give you some more information, but also some people are not so uh, audio oriented as far as doing podcasts that way. They prefer to see things on YouTube or at least listen to them. Whatever the case may be, I'm just trying to really expand the multimedia format. So please check that out. And of course, you know, the whole like, subscribe, all that kind of stuff, but whatever. So I'm trying to coordinate the podcast with the YouTube channel and some of the YouTube videos and some of the YouTube shorts, and hopefully both will complement each other and some will be an extension of the different topics that we'll be talking about on the podcast and some of the things on the channel will be completely different. So for example, I've added some relaxation and sleeping and meditation music videos. And these are things that you can kind of put on in the background. Sometimes people use it on their TV as like a screensaver kind of thing with the nice background. It's got the night sky and lake and all sorts of nice, pretty things to look at. But it's also got the underlying frequencies for frequency healing. And I didn't really know much about that until honestly, um, my dog uh, had a really bad issue. And I started using that some of that with her over a weekend. And she actually really improved. Ultimately, we didn't really know what was wrong. Uh, she possibly had some sort of brain tumor. But anyways, uh, she got an extra year out of life and we had a great time together. And I really do think that the frequency healing helped her a lot. So I was researching that and looking at all the different ways that it can be used. So I made some of those and stuck them on the channel. So hopefully you can benefit from those as well. I've also been working on consolidating all of the websites as always. This time, I think I actually have gotten it that way. It's over on a platform called Podia. And I'll put some links on that and explain more of that in a future episode, because that is where we're going to have the entire fitness makeover program. And that program is actually going to be updated 
regularly because there is so much information that can be expanded on in that. It's a little bit of a shorter version than the usual ones I do in the seminars. So I really want to make sure that's getting updated regularly. And again, I'll do a separate episode just on that. So it'll make more sense. There's a lot of information to get through on this podcast. So let's just dive right in with the training portion. So what are the best three exercises to transform your body? Now we know there's many exercises that can change your body. And there are some that are definitely better than others. So if you want to lose weight, get strong, increase your flexibility, sculpt, or shape your body, then there's really three exercises that are key to conditioning your body, to boosting your metabolism, and to even improving your posture. Now, it may sound incredible because there are so many great exercises to choose from, but if you had to pick only three to do, these would be the ones. Let me tell you, if you have injuries or issues, you can do all of these. There are different modifications for them that will make them just as effective. So if you can walk up a step, if you can pick up a box, and if you can sit in a chair, then you can do these exercises. Remember, it's always good to check with your physician before you start any new exercise program. Even if you have injuries or issues with your knee or your back or your shoulder or any other body parts, you can still reach your goals by doing the most effective exercises, doing them properly, and doing them consistently. And as you improve with consistency, you'll be able to do each exercise more efficiently and therefore more effectively, which means better results that are easier to maintain. And that's kind of the goal of everything we do. Not be a slave to the gym, get in, do your work, get out and enjoy life. So if you're wondering what makes these exercises so effective that they're the only three you really need, well, here's what the difference is. These three exercises challenge your body to move above and beyond what it would do on a normal daily basis. They also work the large body parts along with a multitude of smaller ones. But when you're working the large body parts, you're going to impact your metabolism more. You're going to burn more calories. And of course, that added benefit of working those smaller muscles that you won't have to hit directly. And they basically are working your entire body at once and also doing it very effectively. You could probably say these three exercises give you the most bang for your buck when it comes to the gym. In a video that I'm going to post on YouTube after I finish this podcast, I'm going to review with you these exercises and give you some demonstrations and some tips so that you can use them to change your body faster than you thought possible. Now, of course, the most important thing when doing any exercise is using proper form and slowing it down. Most of the time in the gym, I see everybody training too fast with sloppy ranges of motion, sloppy form, things that I don't even know what they're doing. So don't be that person. And as you begin to use these exercises and start to learn them and do them correctly, don't worry about the weight you're using. Just focus on feeling each particular muscle and feeling that muscle correctly and executing the movement, not just going through the range of motion haphazardly. You want to focus on the muscle you're intending to use. And as you work through that proper range of motion, you're going to feel more in that target muscle, but you're also going to feel some of the other muscles that support it and work with it. And this is how we get that mind-muscle connection that's so important. And that mind-muscle connection is actually what gets you 
better results faster because when you can tap into that connection in your body and your brain, then you're going to be able to use those muscles at their utmost efficiency, which really means that you're going to target what you're trying to target and you're not going to be wasting your time. Now, if you don't focus on this mind-muscle connection, you're really probably not going to make much progress. Definitely are not going to see huge changes in your body either. So Stop and think, have you been going to the gym and just kind of going through the motions? And sometimes that's not a bad thing because you do have to keep yourself going. And some days you're more focused than others. But if it's always like that, then that might be why you're not seeing results. If you are going to the gym and really focusing on the muscle that you're supposed to be feeling, and if you know what muscle is supposed to be working in that particular exercise, then you have that concentration, that focus, and you're going to get much deeper, more effective workouts. All you need to do is a few simple things, and most of them have to do with your mind more than your body. The first exercise is, drumroll please, squats. Yes, you basically squat every day. Whether you sit down in a chair or on the couch or on the toilet or get in the car, you're constantly sitting down, standing up, and that is a squat motion. So don't be afraid of squats. They are good, and you do them all the time. We just need to fine-tune it. So the first thing you want to focus on, whether you're doing it as an exercise or just in your daily activities, is to stand and push through your heels. It doesn't mean lift your toes up. It just means put more pressure through your heels as you do this. So as you're pushing through those heels, you're going to target the hamstring and the glutes. That's the back of the leg and, of course, your butt. And those are large muscles. And when you use a large muscle, it's going to make it easier to do a movement. That's why when you're picking up a box, you know, they say bend with, bend with the legs, pick up from the legs, because your legs are stronger and they're going to be able to handle it and give you better leverage and save your back. So when you're doing squats, yes, there's going to be a different range of motion depending on what your fitness history is. And you will have to start at one point and slowly increase the range of motion. And again, depending on what your issues may be, there might be other modifications that have to be done in the beginning, but all in all, doing a squat is a safe and important exercise for everyone. Now, the great thing about squats is, of course, you're using your whole body and you're going to burn a lot of calories and that's going to boost your metabolism and they're going to help you get stronger faster. And more than that, they're also going to work so many other body parts at the same time. And so that's why. You may have heard squats are called the king of all exercises. Not only do they work your legs, they work your hamstrings, your quads, your glutes, but they also work your back, your shoulders, your traps, your abdominals, your lower back, your hip flexors, your calves, well, basically your entire body. In the next podcast, we're going to go deeper into the proper form and how to judge whether you need to add weight and if you do, how to do that and the different types of resistance you can add. But for right now, we're going to just focus on a little bit of a tip for each exercise that I'm going to talk about. So of course, like I said, your squats, when you stand up from a chair, push through the heels, realize that, yeah, you're going to feel those upper quadriceps. That's the top of the thigh or the front of the thigh, whichever way you want to put it. You're going to feel that entire leg working, but you definitely want to make sure that you've got that glute connection. And that's where that mind-muscle connection comes into play. It's very easy for us to feel the quadriceps. We use too much of them all the time, but they're not as large a muscle as the glutes. So if we can practice lifting our body upward by using the glutes, 
pushing through the heels, engaging those large muscles in your butt, then not only is that going to help impact their shape, but that's also going to help you with your strength, your balance, and everything else that you want to get out of your weight training program or your exercise program in general. Now, something that's very similar to a squat, and some people substitute if, if they have issues with certain things that limit their squats, would be a deadlift. And it's very similar and works a lot of the same body parts. So it would be just as efficient to do that to boost your metabolism and get strength and sculpt your entire body. Now, deadlift, the form is a bit different, and there are several types of deadlifts, just like there are several different types of squats, and we'll go into that in the next episode. But the main thing would be the same as far as pushing through the heels and trying to engage more of the back of the leg. Again, the front of the leg is easy to feel. We have a better connection with that. But the back of the leg, those are the two larger muscles, the hamstrings, the glutes, and of course, those other things that are smaller. But those two are the ones that most people are very weak in because they're not used to feeling them. So start focusing on that mind-muscle connection so that you can use the hamstrings, use the glutes, and that way, you'll be able to target them better on every other exercise you do for your legs. So whether you do squats or deadlifts, just make sure you keep pressing those heels into the ground, trying to engage the hamstrings, the glutes, and controlling your body also by using the quadriceps, the front of the legs. So again, using the entire leg. Now, if you're already used to doing that, then hey, focus on the abdominals and the low back because that's another section that is going to be something to target when you're actually doing the movement. Now, as you consistently work on your range of motion on either exercise, you're going to be able to go lower and lower into that squat position, which not only allows your glutes and hamstrings to power your body up and to work those large muscles and burn more calories and boost the metabolism, do all the great things that it does, it's also going to be taking the stress off your knees. So a lot of times people do squats and they only come a little bit down or even just halfway down. And that's actually putting some sheer force onto the knees. And we don't want that. We want to have a full range of motion as much as we can so that we can benefit the whole body and keep our joints healthy. So if you're doing a squat or even if you're standing up from a chair, and you lift your heels, then you're going to be putting all of that sheer force right into the knees, and you don't want to do that. So that's why when we teach a squat, we talk about hinging at the hips. So you stick your butt out, and that way your weight will shift to the back of your body, and that's going to not only make it easier, but it's also going to save your knees. So squatting properly and with a full range of motion actually helps to strengthen the knees and the surrounding muscles. There are still so many myths that are out there from, gosh, I think the, the 60s and the 70s that are just not true. And I've got some certain um, reports and studies to support that, but I'm going to save that for another episode because you know how I can get. Anyways, the next exercise we're going to talk about is also referred as the king of all exercises, but it's probably coming in second to squats because it also works almost every single inch of your body, but it's more upper body related, and that is the pull-up. Now, I know you may be thinking, ah, no, 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 I can't do a pull-up. I can't do one. I can't. It's too hard for me, but don't worry. There's modifications you can do. However, they're not going to replace the actual attempt of a pull-up. So again, in the next video, I'm going to show you our podcast and video. I'm going to show you 
how you can do that. If you cannot do a pull-up, what you can do, though, to get that maximum benefit that you would get from a real pull-up. So doing a pull-up assisted machine, doing a front pull-down is not the same at all. If it was, we wouldn't be talking about this. So realize that even if you think you can't, you can do a little bit of something and you can also progress to a way that can challenge your body more than if you were using those assisted machines or front pull down. They certainly have their place, but pull-ups are going to be right at the top. And it's basically, you can equate one pull-up to doing like three sets or four sets of a pull-down exercise or another assisted exercise for the back. I mean, that's how much stress it puts on the entire body. And if you ever try one and you'll see how hard it is, then you realize that's not the same as doing a pull-down. If it was, you would be going up and down, up and down with the pull-ups too, right? Now, one thing that I differ with other trainers on is the counting of half reps. Now, most exercises, no, I wouldn't count a half rep. But when it comes to pull-ups, I think a half rep, we need to count. We need to count a quarter rep as well. And it'll make more sense when you start understanding how to do these and how we're trying to stress the body, not necessarily get from point A to point B. That's certainly part of the goal. But with a pull-up, sometimes just getting a little bit up. So sometimes a quarter up or even an eighth, if one eighth, I can start to say, uh, if you're just beginning, makes a huge difference. And certainly a half rep when it comes to a pull-up has to count. Obviously, it's not going to count as a full rep because it's not a full rep. It's a half rep. So yes, when I'm doing pull-ups, I will count things as halves. So I might have five, five and a half, or whatever the case may be, because they do add up and doing a half is going to stress your body quite a bit. So remember, even if you get a half rep or a quarter rep, that's still going to strengthen your body and work all those muscles such as your back and all the different parts of your back, your shoulders, your abs, your biceps, and pretty much a lot more, your lower back. There's so many things going on there. I'm going to cover in the next podcast more ways to progress in the pull-ups and show you some examples with the videos too because that makes it a little bit easier to understand but for now just either attempt to do one or just hang on a bar and that's going to help your strength and you'd be surprised if you can't do a pull-up and a lot of people can't so that's okay don't worry about that just hanging from the bar is going to help your body. It's going to help decompress your spine. You can focus as you're hanging there on pulling your shoulder blades back because it's not about getting from point A to B. It's about engaging the muscles of the back. So even if you hang there, just try to pull those shoulder blades back and down. And to be honest with you, I've even had people that couldn't even hold on to the bar and hang. They just couldn't even do it. So that might not even be your starting point. We may have to go to assisted pull-up machines and use some other different support apparatuses or apparatus I or apparatus, I don't know. Anyways, other things to help you to get you to that point where you can actually hang. But again, that's what fitness is all about. It's progression and it's getting stronger. It's getting better. It's challenging your body. And for sure, pull-ups are going to challenge your entire body. Now, pull-ups means that your hands are facing away from your body and usually they're wide about shoulder width. Chin-ups is a whole different exercise, okay? Chin-ups tend to be more shoulders and biceps, so they're not going to be on the same level as a pull-up. And a chin-up, in case you're wondering, is where you have your hands facing you. They're usually much closer grip. And you might be able to hang in that chin-up position. But again, eventually, we want to get you back over 
with a wider grip, hands facing away from you and holding in that pull-up type stance, I guess you would call it. Now, the most important thing, whether you're doing a pull-up or any back exercise, is to feel your back working. And that's the problem with the back is that your arms assist, but it's way too easy to use only your arms and not your back. And maybe you get a little squeeze in the back at the end range of motion, but that's not what you want. You want to initiate your movements from the back. And that's kind of hard to do too with the pull-ups when you're beginning because yes, let's face it, even though I just said 10 times that your goal is not to get from point A to point B, that's all your brain thinks is to get you from here to the bar. And it really should be, if you're already doing pull-ups, it shouldn't be getting your chin over the bar. It's getting your chest to the bar. So if anything, you should lean back a little bit, almost like the form for a front pull-down. But then going back to if you can't do them yet, then we're going to focus on using your back in every other exercise. And then that way, when you go to attempt your pull up and you start to get stronger, you're going to realize that it's your back you're focusing on. It's those shoulders pulling away and using them to pull your body up. And this is one of the things I did. in I think it was a video short on YouTube on how to use your back correctly because your hands should not be pulling. And that's the same case for whether you're doing a pull up or whether you're doing a row or any type of exercise that you think is training your back. Most people are not going to initiate the movement with the back. So don't hold on to anything and just start focusing on pulling the shoulder blades together and see how that starts to pull your arms backwards and realize that keeping your shoulder blades tight once you get those arms all the way back and then when your arms are coming forward for the other portion of the range of motion, you're still keeping the back tight. You don't completely release the back and that's how you learn to feel those muscles. So keep your focus on doing your back movements by pulling, initiating with the shoulder blades and even practice it when you're in your car. And you can do that by taking your upper arm and just pushing it back into the seat. And I say upper arm, I mean the top of the shoulder. A lot of times people focus on the elbows and that's not going to really make you feel your back as much as if you put your shoulders all the way back. So think about sitting up really straight and almost trying to get the top of your shoulders to the back of the seat. And of course the car or a chair or anything like that is really helpful to give you something to press against. It makes it a little bit easier to feel. Now of all the muscles your back is definitely going to be the hardest one to get that mind muscle connection. So that's why you want to work on it whenever you can. And that's why doing it in the car is a great way because you know what you're driving, you're sitting, let's face it, we're not going to be real productive. So focus on that. Focus on getting those shoulders back on feeling the shoulder blade squeeze and then on pulling we always talk about pull the shoulders away from the ears. Get that feeling and engagement through the back. And that way, once you get to the gym, you're going to be that much more focused and stronger and really see the difference that training your back properly can do for you. Besides your back being such a big muscle, it's going to burn a lot of calories. It's going to work a lot of smaller body parts. It's going to boost your metabolism. It's also the key to your posture. And as we know, if you've got good posture, you're automatically going to look thinner because when you stand up tall, your waist gets smaller automatically. So your back is very important to train and train correctly. Now, remember that whenever you have added muscle, whether it's from squats or from pull-ups or from whatever exercise you're doing, you're burning more calories at rest. So that lean muscle, you might not see to the naked eye, but it is burning more calories while you're sitting there doing nothing. And that is definitely the key 
to maintenance. So your goal should be really to be able to work out and gain some muscle so that you boost your metabolism all day long. That way it comes down to just working out to maintain that muscle. You don't have to go above and beyond in hours and hours of exercise. It really shouldn't be more than an hour of whatever you're doing as far as your weight training goes. And if you're doing your weight training correctly, you don't need to do cardio either and you'll stay lean. Yes, I may have discussed that before. Probably going to have to discuss it again. But when you are focusing on these large body parts, that's the difference it makes in your life. Now, when you are using your back, think about it when you're picking something up. So whether you're picking up a box or picking up a young kid, just try to engage those muscles and be more thoughtful when you use your arms. When you reach to grab something, can you pull back with that shoulder blade on that one arm and really think about feeling along the spine, along the lower back, pulling in the abdominals as well. Now, when you go to make that effort towards starting the pull-ups, if you can barely move, that's okay. Because you know what? Just holding there, we know, number one, you're going to get benefit. Number two, even if you barely budge, if you're focusing on engaging the shoulder blades and you're inhaling and exhaling and squeezing the abs, you're going to be getting the benefit in those muscles as well. So again, we'll get back into that next time on how the assisted pull-up machine may be okay for some people, but not as a mainstay. And it's only something to use as a transition to your real pull-ups because everybody can do some form of them. And again, that's where I think the video is going to be more helpful because you'll be able to see what I'm talking about when we talk about different types of pull-ups. So if you do begin to throw them in your routine, definitely keep track of them and keep track of if it's a quarter repetition or a half repetition and make a notation if you do a modification such as doing it horizontally or maybe at a different angle with your feet on the floor, whatever it takes to get that motion of pulling with the shoulder blades or maybe use one of the rubber assistance bands to help pull yourself upward, whatever the case may be. The third exercise is also one that a lot of people think they cannot do. But once again, I'm going to tell you and I'm going to show you with a video how you can do it no matter what your age is or what your fitness history is. So as soon as I say the word, don't freak out and think that you can't do that. All right, here we go. It's biometrics. Now, biometrics is jumping. And you might just be thinking, well, I can't jump. That's just, that's a lot of impact. It's not good for me. And yes, plyometric is jumping, but it's also explosive movements. In some of the videos that I've done in some of the different packages that were on my website, we did do some of this plyometric exercise without the actual jumping. So there was also, I think on YouTube, a video, and actually there was also in the podcast about how to do explosive movements without impact. So I forgot that I had already done that, but it's always good to revisit it and review it. So there are exercises that you can do that are explosive, but you don't have to necessarily jump. Now, when you do jump, you are commanding your whole body to move through space. So that's going to have a large impact. The other thing, speaking of impact, is that when you land, you want to land on the heels and let your body absorb some of the impact. So that means if you're doing a jump squat, yes, you're going to jump up. But when you come down, you're not going to just stop with straight legs. You're going to continue until your butt goes back down towards a squat. So it might not be a full squat, but you just use your body to absorb some of that impact. And that way you're not going to hurt yourself. And sometimes even when you can do plyometrics, you sometimes have those days with lower energy and that's okay. And it's good to know these different options so that you can do explosive movements and get that metabolism boost without having to lift your whole body off the floor or incur any impact. So let's first talk about some of the regular plyometric exercises that include jumping and then we'll talk about some that don't. So your familiar plyometric exercises would be things like squat jumps, tuck jumps, pretty much anything that has the name jump in it. 
high knees or high knee jogging or some type of sprinting or running. I am not advocating running on a regular basis for most people, unless that's something that you enjoy, but that's a different topic. Anyways, the lower impact version of these you have to think of explosiveness. So things such as the basketball cardio that we've done in some of the different videos I have and the shuffle and squat, or even some people will do the skaters. And again, those don't have to be jumping side to side. They can still be moving side to side, but without the jump, just doing it quickly and thinking explosively. And again, that's where that mind-muscle connection is so important because if you don't have it, you're not going to be able to understand how to make those muscles move in an explosive manner. As we continue through some of these things, it's not just training the muscle. It's not just doing a certain exercise. And it's also not just building the right muscle. It's learning how to control your muscle, how to make it do different things. And it's kind of a little bit of a lifelong learning process because there are so many different things your muscle can do. And there's just a lot for us to learn. Now, since focus and feel and using the right muscles in proper form is so critical to getting the results you want, we're going to be going over that in detail in the next podcast, and I'll also be posting a video on that. And in that video, we'll go over the details on how to do each exercise and the modifications you can do and some other key principles to help you get the most out of your time. And now we move on to nutrition and the three most important meal components that you may or may not know about. Now in the Fitness Makeover program, we do go over this in detail. And I'm going to put part of that program also on YouTube because there's a video that is very visual and explains these different components as well. So hopefully you can check that out. So the three different components we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about why you need them, how much of them you need, and how they differ when they have combinations, or we call it the combination effect. So when it comes to your meal components, I'm not really sure why people call them macronutrients. That just kind of bugs me for some reason, because they are just main components and it's protein, carb, and fat. And yes, you can get into the smaller sections and the micronutrients. So to me, that makes sense to talk about those, but calling them macros just really drives me nuts. I don't know why. Anyhow, so you have your protein, your carbs, and your fats. And you do have to have more protein if you're working out and you want to gain some lean muscle tissue. And if you're trying to lose weight, yes, you want to gain lean muscle tissue. It's not necessarily something that's going to be a huge impact on the scale, but it's going to make a huge impact on your body. And that's why we say don't look at the scale because when your body's changing like that, the scale is not going to give you a good idea of what's going on. And it's going to mess with your mental health in terms of weight loss. And again, that's a whole other topic we'll get into. But for now, realize that protein is a building block. It's definitely something you want to include in each meal. The hardest thing to get in meals is good quality protein sources because there's not as many of them as there are carbs and fats. So of course, you're leaning towards chicken, turkey, fish. I know there are a lot of vegans out there that think they're getting enough protein, but they usually are not. You're not going to usually get a whole lot of lean muscle from a vegan diet, unfortunately. So if you are vegan, yes, you're going to have to pay much more attention to your protein counts. If you're eliminating any food groups such as animal proteins, it's going to be a lot harder, but you could probably get closer to some of your amounts. Some people will use protein powders and there are whey proteins, there's egg white proteins. I never really understood why the vegans would come in and get the egg white proteins, but they would not touch the whey proteins. Um, they explained it to me, but it still didn't make sense. Maybe somebody can comment on that. 
And sometimes adding a protein drink is an easy way to get that extra protein during your day because you might want to sit and eat and chew chicken, meat, eggs, or even egg whites all the time. It's important to get the right amount of protein in each day. And again, another topic. So know that each meal should have some protein in it. And that means if you're breaking yourself down into three or four meals and two or three snacks a day, then yeah, you should have protein at least three or four times. Now, you also want to have carbs and you want to monitor them just as much as you do your protein. So protein, you want to make sure you're getting enough. Carbs, you want to make sure that you're not getting too much. And the thing about carbs is that there's so many to choose from and their calories, yes, they go up very high, but that doesn't mean that they're bad. So don't try to cut all the carbohydrates out because carbohydrates are also protein sparing. That means they're going to help keep the protein in your system to be used for recovery. So they, everything has a place. And that's why these three components should be the factor in every meal and are important to not exclude any one of them. So from protein, carbs, and then we have fats. And yes, fats you do need in your diet. When I say diet, it's what you eat. It's not some restrictive thing. So let's try to change that whole concept. Fats are important. Your body needs them for a whole lot of different functions, but you're going to find out in a couple seconds why they are also important for other reasons. So if you're looking at your main meals, they should have some protein, some carbs, and some fat. And you may have seen some of those things where they say, okay, well, your protein should be this much, your carb this much, and your fat this much. And that's how much of the plate it should be. And it should be about the size of your fist different things like this. But the main thing is if you are monitoring it, you're going to be able to keep track of what you're having and not having second thirds or not trying to make your plate too big or things like that. And it all depends on what your goals are, whether your goals are to lose weight or whether your goals are to kind of burn some fat and drop a little bit of fat that's on top of maybe the abdominals or the glutes or whatever, or just gain lean muscle or just be healthy. That's going to dictate your portion size. The main thing is getting three times a day, protein, carbon, fat, and different ratios of each one. But the main thing is when you are having all three of those, you're basically taking the protein and the fats and they're slowing the absorption of those carbohydrates. So your blood sugar is not going to go zip up and then drop down. And that's what makes your body hold on to fat. So by combining those three, you're making not only the optimum combination of the different nutrients you need, but you're also helping your body function properly. And yes, there are times that we need a little bit of fat to help satiate us through a, maybe a longer period of time or especially at night because even though you're asleep, yes, yeah, your body is fasting. It's not commanding too much of you so you don't need as many calories, but your body is still functioning to repair itself. And in case you couldn't tell, I am not a proponent of fasting. I just don't think it's a good idea. If you're sleeping, that's one thing, but you know what? As soon as your body starts moving, you need some food. You don't need a lot of it. You need just enough, but you also need just enough on a regular basis. Basis. I mean, you wouldn't drive a car around on empty. So I don't understand why we do the body that way. And you know what's going to happen. You're just going to draw muscle. And that's why people see results initially, and then they gain it all back because losing muscle, you lower your metabolism, then you eat something else, then that's going to get gained as fat more easily. And you're just perpetuating the whole cycle. So by doing something that's reasonable and consistent, you're going to be able to keep better results. It may not be as fast as some of these other things, but it's going to be much more healthy and long term. One thing to consider when you're talking about these meals that you're putting together, if you're earlier in the day, yeah, you're going to need more carbs because you have more activity going on, especially if your workout is going to be in the afternoon. Then in the evening, yeah, you don't need as many carbs. Okay, you're not going to be as active. So you can have a little bit more fats 
just again to satiate you through that whole time that you're sleeping. It doesn't mean you gorge on them. It just means that if you were to look at your three meals, let's just, and hopefully it would be more than that, but let's say three meals, then your first one would have a little bit of protein, a little bit of fat, and probably the larger portion of carb. Your middle of the day is going to have more protein, a little bit of carb, a little bit of fat, a little more equal in those two. And then your evening is going to be higher in, a little bit higher in fat, then protein, and then very low in carb. And that's would be a great structure for anyone trying to get in shape, lose weight. And again, your progress is going to be dictated by what your parameters are. If you are 200 pounds and you need to lose 20 pounds, then you're going to have to work through a different system than somebody who's 120 pounds and wants to get lean or build muscle. So those nutrients are going to be different, but the concept is the same as far as having those three components in your meals. It's just how much you're going to have of which one. And the thing to remember is that we're really made to go every maybe five, six hours at the most before we eat something. And it doesn't have to be a full meal. So that's why we usually go breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, maybe another snack, especially that time between lunch and dinner. When you start to fall asleep, that's the time that you need some protein, maybe even a little bit of fat. But basically, if you're keeping yourself on that schedule of eating, you're not going to get tired and you're not going to get any cravings. And that's where most people run into problems with cravings is that they exclude a whole nutrient or a whole component from a meal. They go no carbs all day long. And then of course, their body's craving the carbs. It needs it for recovery. It needs it for energy. And then at night, they pig out and they wonder why. It's because you're depriving yourself, your body that needs needs these things and it's trying to make up for that lost time. So if you find yourself craving things, you're probably not eating on a regular schedule. So again, a little bit of food here, a little bit of food there, your three main meals, you factor all of that in. Consistency is going to be important not only in your training, but also in your nutrition. So again, I'm taking uh, one of the videos from the Fitness Makeover program itself on these components, and I'm going to go ahead and put that up on YouTube so you can check that out at Fitness Makeover. Now, mindset and motivation go hand in hand, and we tend to forget that. We think that there's some mysterious thing motivation is because I don't know what it is. How do I get it? And where is it? Basically, motivation comes from knowing why you're doing what you're doing, and a lot of times that comes from having a goal. But for now, let's focus just on three things that you can do right now to start changing the path and changing your body. So the first thing you can do right now that you're completely in control of is have a plan for your work out. That means know what you're going to be doing, when, and how. So for example, if your days to work out are Monday, Wednesday, Friday, then that's it. Those are your days. You're committing yourself to those days. If you don't have that already set in your head, then you're not going to be motivated because there's no urgency. So pick your days, pick your times, and then know what you're going to do. So again, that's why people make progress with trainers because they give them the plan to follow. So whether you're working one-on-one -on -one with somebody or whether you have an online program where they send you the workouts, having some sort of plan when you walk in the gym is going to make all the difference. Otherwise, you're just going to be kind of haphazard, a little of this, a little of that, and you're not going to get anywhere. It's kind of like driving around in circles where you're trying to go somewhere. You don't know where you're going. You're never going to get anywhere. Now, the second thing you could do is also have a plan for your meals. That means your meals and your snacks. So your plan would also include your what, when, and how. What are you going to eat? What, when are you going to eat it? What is your timing? How would probably be not how to eat it, but how to prepare it. Are you going to be running to the gym after work? So you want to have maybe a protein bar and you're not going to sit down and have a whole meal. 
Do you work out in the morning? You know, maybe you need to have that snack before you work out and then your bigger meal after, or maybe you're still rushing to work or something. You're going to have to get a protein shake or a smoothie that's got some fruit in it for your carbs. So these are all different things, again, having to do with planning. You've heard the saying, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And that's pretty much what happens in most of fitness and weight loss. People don't plan, but when they do follow a plan and stick to, it's going to work. It may not work for the long term, but you're still going to see some changes. So the third thing you can do right now to help with changing your body is to create another plan for healthy habits. And healthy habits means your thoughts and your repetitions in your thoughts. Because we've gone over in some of the podcasts how some of these negative thoughts can really do a lot of damage. And that's where the whole strong and powerful concept came from. The whole section here on motivation is how to be strong and powerful. And that's a great mantra to use. So when you're feeling down, you can say, nope, I am strong and powerful. I can do this because these healthy habits and changing these negative thought patterns into positives are not just all foo-foo affirmation stuff. Your subconscious mind really does believe everything you tell it. That's why you don't want to give it false information. You don't want to say, oh, I'm so fat. I never work out or I can't do anything right or any, that kind of stuff. You change all of that. As soon as it comes in your head, you can change it and say, you know what? I can do this. I go to the gym on these days. I eat these kind of foods. I support myself. I support my health. I am important. And all of this is repetition and replacing anything that pops in negatively with a positive. And only you can do that because you're the only one inside your head. So don't just think that fitness is about your workouts and your nutrition because it's about what goes on inside your head. If that wasn't important, it wouldn't be a major section here in this podcast for so many years. And it also wouldn't be an issue for people to get in shape. See, the thing is that people don't get in shape, not because they're always doing the wrong workout or screwing up the diet or those kind of things. It's because they don't have the mindset to support themselves to get where they want to go. So if you could have not so great plan and not so great nutrition, but your mindset alone can help change your body faster than having just one component. So that's why it's so important. Your mindset's gonna support you eating healthy foods. Your mindset is gonna support you getting to the gym when you're supposed to. And mindset is just another word for the things that go on in your mind, the things that you say to yourself. So start noticing and maybe even keeping a journal, writing down things that you might say in your head that is negative, maybe some of that negative self-talk or unsupportive self-talk, and then change it. And the key to changing something and having it really sink in is writing it down. And I know we do a lot of typing and texting and stuff with our thumbs, but you know what? Old-fashioned paper and pen is the way to really have it absorb in the mind. And there, yes, have actually been studies on that. So taking some time to write down the supportive, healthy thoughts that are going to get you where you want to go and help motivate you to do things even when you don't want to do them. It's those repetitive thoughts that are going to jump in when you need them most. And remember, those repetitive thoughts can be good and they can be bad. They can be supportive or unsupportive. And most importantly, they can be destructive or constructive. So that's why you have to sit down and start reinforcing the good stuff. So just a quick recap here. When it comes to the only three exercises you need to do, you could choose squats or deadlifts, pull-ups, and plyometrics and make a really great program. When it comes to the three components you need to have for your meals, that's protein, carbs, and fats, just in maybe different portions for different meals. And then of course, three things you can do right now to get your mind and motivation together is have a plan for your workout, a plan for your meals, a plan for your workout, a plan for your meals, and a plan to create healthy 
thought habits. Make sure you check out the YouTube channel and some of the shorts that I've done and the different playlists that I've put together for different topics. Hit like on the videos that you want more of and give me some comments so that I can also know what else you're interested in. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to giving you all the insights to help you reach all of your goals and to help you get your best body ever. If you'd like additional information on these topics and more articles on health, nutrition, and motivation, visit fitnessmakeover.com 